Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 13 this morning. Uh, This chapter marks a drastic change in Jesus' preaching ministry as he begins to speak to his audience in parables. And so these kingdom parables are meant to filter out the sincere seekers in the crowd from those who have been following Jesus around for the wrong reasons. And these parables are going to serve a purpose of just kind of separating out the wheat from the chaff. And, and the sincere folks are going to be able to comprehend the meaning of these parables. But those who aren't, their hearts are not in the right places, these kingdom parables are going to sound like senseless gibberish. They're not going to make any sense. They're going to go, what is he talking about? The seed and the sower and, the, and these different things. They're, they're just not going to be able to grasp these spiritual truths, but that's by design. And to understand of a person's heart, we're going to see, that determines their ability to be able to understand these beautiful truths contained in these parables. And those whose hearts are right are going to be able to get the message and understand what Jesus is saying. Those whose hearts are wrong are going to be completely confused by everything he's saying in these parables. So Corson tells the story of a coal mine that collapsed a number of years ago, and the miners were trapped underground for three and a half days. We've seen more recent examples of that, I think, in Chile or Peru. But anyway, um, rescue workers dug feverishly until they finally reached these men that were trapped beneath the surface of the earth. And when they were found, the men down there, the miners, were just hooping and hollering and rejoicing because they had been rescued from certain death. But their celebration came to an abrupt end when one of the miners there said, hey, can somebody turn on a lantern? And they realized at that moment that their friend had been blinded by this accident. And until the lights came on, nobody was able to tell who could see and who couldn't. And this man had lost his eyesight in the cave-in. And these parables are like that in the passage before us. They identify who's truly blind in the crowd that's following Jesus and who has spiritual eyes to see. And those who have spiritual eyes to see, these kingdom parables are going to illuminate the truth of God's word to them. But those who are blind are just going to just think this is the lamest thing I've ever heard. I don't, I, he's not even making any sense. In our text, though, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, Blessed are you because you have the ability to comprehend these truths concerning the kingdom. Did you guys know that it's a privilege that we can sit here in church and understand the precious truths of God's word with the Holy Spirit's help? A lot of people don't have that ability, but because the Spirit resides in us, the Holy Spirit is our teacher, and he leads and guides us into the truth of God's word. And that is such a privilege that we have as believers that other folks don't have. And I I remember sitting in church with Kelly week in, week out, and just thinking, man, I just wish this thing would end. And then I prayed one night, and I got born again. And and the next time I heard the Bible taught, I had tears running down my cheeks because the Spirit was now in me, instructing me, and allowing me to understand the truth of God's word. How many of you had a similar experience in your life where you had a point where the word of God was just gibberish, and then all of a sudden it just became the most precious thing ever to you? And so that's, that's what we're talking about here. And today we're going to look at the parable of the sower or the soils. And it compares the spiritual condition of a person's heart to these various types of soil that one might plant seed in. But let's beginning in read, reading in verse uh, 
1 of chapter 13. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore, so they were on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And here's the key verse. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father, we pray that we would have spiritual ears to hear and spiritual eyes to see the truth contained in this parable. Lord, we pray that you would bring it to bear upon our lives personally, that you would make application to us individually and corporately, Lord. We're eager to hear what you would have to say to us today, Jesus, through this timeless truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So this image of a farmer sowing seed would have been a familiar picture, illustration to people living in an agrarian culture. I would say that if Jesus came to teach an audience in the Silicon Valley today would say something like, well, the kingdom of God is like a software engineer and he's writing code for a program and we'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we get that. And, and back in that day, though, a, a farmer sowing seed was a familiar picture. He would have a bag slung across his shoulder and he would walk through the field like this and just scatter the seed. And, and what Jesus is saying is... Uh, He's the farmer in this parable, if you haven't figured that out already. And he's got these massive crowds following him around, and he's scattering the seeds of the gospel. But the condition of their heart is going to determine whether they're going to be able to receive that and benefit from it, or whether it's just going to go to waste. And, and the Pharisees are in the camp that are not going to be able to see and understand these parables. And Jesus wants us to know, and wants his disciples to know, that when they reject him and his message, the problem is with them, not with Jesus. It's because their hearts aren't right, and the soil condition of their hearts is bad. And so that's the point here. But Jesus explains this further in, in the verses that follow. Let's pick it up in verse 10. And, he, he, and the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered and said, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given or revealed. Verse 12, For whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. He's speaking of the religious leaders primarily. Verse 14, and in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing. 
and they, their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But, verse 16, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. So now he's saying, let me give you the interpretation. Verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles." Now, he who received the seed among the thorns is the person who hears the word and care, the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word out and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives the seed on the good ground, he is he who hears the word, understands it, and who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So, here we see that Jesus gives these four soil conditions. We're just going to go through them one by one. The first seed, he says, that is sown as the farmer scattering it in the fields indiscriminately, they, it falls on the footpaths that travel through the, ver the fields that's been plowed. So that soil is so compacted that the seed can't penetrate the surface, and it just, the seed just sits there and becomes a tasty morsel for the birds flying by. You know, how many of you guys know that birds like to eat seed? So they see the seed just up there on the surface of the hard-packed soil, and they would swoop down and eat it up. And, and before it would have a chance to, to penetrate and to grow. And, and this is the hard soil that he's speaking of. And um, as you know, birds typically represent who in the Bible? Satan, the devil, the enemy. And so, uh, what? sadly, God's word, there are certain people that their hearts are so hard that they cannot receive the word of God. They become so calloused and hardened for whatever reason that the word of God just kind of bounces off of them and they can't receive it. And then Satan comes and snatches away those gospel seeds that were sown and, and it, it, the word of God has no impact on their lives. How many of you know people like that personally? I have a family member, sadly, that is like this. I one time was asked to conduct a funeral service because one of our loved ones passed away. And I remember sitting there and I was sharing the scriptures, and I looked at her, and literally her eyes were just glazed over. It was the scariest thing to me ever, because I could just see that her heart was so calloused and so hardened that the word of God was just, just bouncing off of her. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Some people, they're just, they're just their hearts are too hard. And they can have the truth of God just right presented to them very clearly, but it doesn't penetrate, and it just bounces off. And when this happens, it's not a matter of their intellect. It's not that they can't understand mentally. It's a matter of what? The heart, the will. I'm going to reject this. I'm not going to receive this. And, you know, to be honest, I was this way for the longest time. Kelly would take me to church and, <laughs> you know, 
the priest would share, and the, the word that he was sharing just literally went in one ear and out the other. I just, it was not penetrating at all. But then later on, when both of our daughters were diagnosed with a terminal illness and some other circumstances that happened in my life, God humbled me a bit, and he broke up that hardened ground in my heart so that the seed could penetrate, and I was more open to receive the gospel and to receive Jesus into my heart. But initially, I was as hard-hearted as they come. How many of you remember when your heart was hard, a time when your heart was hard towards the things of God? And aren't you thankful that it's not that way anymore, that by God's grace, you know, like that song, when I was your foe, your love fought for me, Lord. And, and there was nothing that could keep me from receiving your love. I remember, this is not in my notes, but I remember one time, and I've told you guys this story before. The Lord, every time I start to think I'm doing okay as a Christian, he brings back this memory of me standing around a keg at a party in, in Lucadia, you know, drinking party. And, and I remember I was standing there with one of those red Dixie cups full of beer. I don't know how many I had had at that point, but a lot. And I was telling these blasphemous, dirty jokes with Jesus as a punchline. And I think, wow, Lord, you loved me then. And you came after me and you rescued me. I didn't, couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But you gave yourself away for me. And how much more does he love us now that we are seeking him and trying to follow him and trying to obey his word? Amen? So... This brings us to our second soil condition in this parable, the shallow heart spoken of in verse 20 and 21. Let's read it again. But he who received the word seed on the stony places, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root and only endures for a while. When tribulation, persecution come, they immediately stumble. So here some of the seed is sown on rocky ground rocky soil, and it has enough dirt over the top of it for the seed to penetrate, but it's not enough dirt for the root system to grow deep. Are you with me? So it's shallow roots on this. Damien Kyle tells a funny story about when God sent two angels out during creation to distribute rocks upon the face of the earth, and the one angel was faithful in in broadcasting his rocks evenly around his assigned territory, but the other angel got lazy, and he dumped his entire load in Palestine, in the Middle East. <laughs> if you've ever been there, it's the, it is the rockiest place ever. It's just filled with stones and boulders, and, and so the, the people hearing this would have related to what Jesus was saying is the farmer sowing seed on the stony ground and the shallow root system that those plants had. But uh, in the parable... The seed that landed on the rocky soil, it springs up quickly, impressively, but then when trials and persecution come, the, the, the young plant withers away quickly. It's scorched by the hot Middle Eastern sun, and it has no depth to its root system, so it quickly fades away and dies. And this speaks of the, the, the person who gets saved. Maybe they go forward at the Billy Graham crusade, or they say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. This is great. Praise the Lord. I'm going to heaven. But then, because there's no depth to their root system in their walk with Christ, there's no spiritual depth. When trials and persecution come, they say, I didn't sign up for this. 
my family members are rejecting me because of my faith, or I got passed over for this promotion at work because I'm a Christian, or I'm suddenly not popular in my circle of friends anymore, so peace out, I'm out of here. And and pretty soon you just don't see them at church anymore. Or maybe they go through a really heavy-duty trial or hardship in their life, and they become disillusioned with God and questioning, and they they just fade away. And and that's what the, the... plant with the shallow roots, the shallow heart. And um, when the going gets tough, they basically say, I'm glad Jesus died for my sins, but I'm going back to my old way of life again because it's just too hard being a Christian. How many of you have ever felt like that? That, man, this is just the spiritual warfare and some of the things I go through as a Christian, my life's actually gotten more difficult than when I was in the world. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here, the shallow heart. The next soil condition is found in verse 22, the crowded heart. Let's read that also. But he who, now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word out, and he becomes unfruitful. So some of the farmer's seed, you know, Again, they didn't have machines that did nice rows. He's just throwing it out there. And some of it landed among the thorns and the thistles. And when the weeds grew up, it choked out the, the once healthy plant. So they're both the weeds and the plant are growing simultaneously, but the weeds overtake it and end up choking it out and not allowing it to grow properly. And to be honest, this is Satan's most subtle tactic to get Christians so caught up in the cares of this world and the temporary things of this life and and worldly pursuits and materialistic possessions and things that just crowd out the word of God from our lives. And that's just something that I think we all fight with at times. How many of you, be honest, anybody else in here just get distracted by the things of the world and the temporary things start becoming more important than the eternal things? And, And when that happens to a person, this was a plant that was thriving, right? It was growing, it was... It was bearing fruit, but then, then as, as the cares of this world and hobbies and careers and other pastimes begin to just crowd in and choke it out, so I don't have time for a Bible study anymore, or I can't go on that missions trip like I used to, or all these things, because I'm just too busy, and you know, when I'm done with this commitment outside of church, maybe someday I'll be able to, to be there more consistently, but right now, the, this, this, I'm just crowded out. My schedule's crowded. I think in Silicon Valley, this is the one that probably we need to sit up and pay attention to most. I just, I know that it's just way too busy at times with other things, competing interests that are demanding my time and attention. I don't know about you. Pray for me. If that doesn't apply to you, just pray for me, okay? Because I could, I could use prayer with that. Um, thankfully, though, Jesus doesn't leave us with only negative examples. He gives us a a good example in this fourth soil. And let's read about it in verse 23. Now he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces the, some hundred, some sixty, and some thirtyfold. So this seed lands on fertile soil with plenty of moisture and room to grow and it's 
roots are able to sink down deep in the soil and it produces a tremendous harvest. Any farmer would rejoice to have this kind of return on his investment. I mean, he's bringing the fruit in and the, by the bushel loads. And this speaks of the person who's eager to learn the word of God and obey the word of God in their life. And what happens? They begin to produce spiritual fruit. What is spiritual fruit in a Christian's life, Rick? Well, um, here's some examples. Romans 1.13 tells us, you guys can write these down and look them up later, that soul winning, personal evangelism, is evidence of spiritual fruit in a Christian's life. Personal holiness, a life that's set apart for God, is, is, a, is one of the fruits listed in the Bible. Financial giving, Romans 15, is also a fruit being produced from a, a Christian's life that's healthy. Galatians 5, and 23 list the fruit of the Spirit. This is probably one you all know. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. And so when, when I have that fertile soil, that heart that's receptive to the Word of God, and a, a heart that wants to follow and obey what God shows me in His Word, my life is going to bear fruit. It's just going to happen automatically. And it's going to bear it big time. I, I saw this. Do you, how many of you guys follow Synced Culture on social media? I, I got this off Instagram. It's a, if you haven't ever, you might want to begin to follow them on uh, Facebook or Instagram. But this, I like this quote. Our lives should be displaying the fruit of the Spirit in such a way that others are asking us about the hope that's within us. That we, people should see the spiritual fruit budding forth from our lives so much so that they would say to us, man, what is, so, you're different. <laughs> what, 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 and what is that difference about in your life? And we're then able to say what? It's Jesus. I'm kind of a creep. I'm kind of a jerk. But Jesus is, lives in my heart. And what you're seeing is the f- fruit and the evidence of him being in my heart and life. So recognizing that There are four kinds of soil or four kinds of hearts sitting in this room right now. There's the shallow hearts, crowded hearts, um, hard hearts, and fruitful hearts, receptive hearts. And so the question I need to ask myself is, Lord, which one best represents my heart at this moment? And I think it changes from time to time in my walk with Jesus. But like, where am I at right now, Lord? Which one of those hearts, which one of those soil types can I relate to? So a couple years ago, I found out that if an old gray-haired dude walks into the emergency room complaining of chest pains, you go straight to the front of the line. Did you know that? Before I could blink, I was laying on a gurney. I had these wires connected all over my body and everybody's undivided attention was on me. Um, And thankfully, as it turned out, I didn't have a heart attack, but the EKG tests and other things revealed that there was some problems that needed to be addressed and frankly, some lifestyle changes that I needed to make. And I went and saw this great cardiologist and we talked about that, but had I not gone through those tests that probably wouldn't, would have gone undetected. And to me, this parable of the sower and the soils is sort of like a spiritual EKG test for our hearts to say, Lord, where, where am I? 
And Father, you're the good physician. You're the great physician. And, and I want to bear fruit for your glory. But Lord, if, if there's, there's a shallowness there or a hardness or a crowded heart, Lord, that's choking out your word, I, I don't want that. Can you heal me? Can you fix me? Can you rearrange my priorities? Because I want to bear much fruit for your glory. Amen? And that's what we're supposed to do when we look at this parable. If we're able to understand it, to say, Lord, I want my heart to be the fertile soil. And forgive me, Lord, if, if, I've, if it's not in that place right now where I can bear the fruit that you've ordained for my life. Jesus says that you have been chosen by God to bear much fruit for his kingdom. And so, Lord, help me. Jules and Kayla, can you guys come back up, please? They sang a song right before the teaching, Lord, I need you to soften my heart, to break me apart. And I need to surrender my life afresh to you, Lord. Would you sing that with me again as they lead us, just as a response to this parable, to us to say, Lord, and this is between me and God, what the condition of my heart is right now, but to say, Lord, I recognize that this soil condition, <laughs> that th it, like three out of the four soil conditions or heart conditions in this parable are not healthy and mine's one of the unhealthy ones. Would you, right here, right now, would you fix that in me before I leave here today? Would you, if, if my life, if my heart has been too crowded with other competing interests, Lord, would you push those away? Lord, if you need to pull some weeds in my life or I need to pull some weeds to allow the fruit to begin to be born more, more effectively. Or Lord, if, if my heart's become hard or my heart's just, I'm, I'm in danger of just right now just walking away from you because of trials in my life and problems that are weighing me down and I'm, I'm having a hard time in my faith. Lord, give me faith to trust what you say. And Lord, we want to rededicate our hearts to you this morning. And Father, we want to invite you to do a work in our hearts this morning. Lord, for the hard-hearted person, that you would just run that plow through and break up that hard ground and allow the seed of your word to penetrate. For the person here with a crowded heart, Lord, where the just your word is being choked out because of the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for things that are not going to matter in eternity, Lord, we pray that you would pull weeds in their heart today, Lord, and, and allow that seed to germinate and to grow and to bear much fruit. And Father, for the person here with the shallow heart, and Lord, maybe they're going through trials right now and they're just thinking about throwing in the towel and just walking away from you. Lord, don't let them do it. Help, Father, by your grace to deepen the roots of faith in their life right now, that they would hang in there and realize that there's nothing better than you out there, Lord, and that they would endure this trial and trust you and to have faith to trust what you say, Lord, that you are working all things together for good in their life. May they not be blown out or scorched by persecution and trials. May they remain faithful because you're faithful, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.